uh, pray for Joseph in his first show. Father, we just thank you right now, Lord, and I just pray that um, he would be blessed, feel encouraged, and that the gifts within him would grow. And Lord, we just thank you for all the gifts in this place, but Lord, that people are working and stepping out in those areas. We just thank you. Well, I remember my other announcement is for the School of Ministry. <coughs> It didn't need water. Okay. Anyway, um, the School of Ministry is going to meet in our home this Thursday night. It will be a Valentine party. And here's your requirement. And anyone that's not here, and I know we've got some of our um, uh, Hannah and, and Uriah, so let them know. But you need to, to make up a Valentine. You can either make it or buy it. It doesn't matter. And then on the Valentine... I want you to write, just pray, and you're not going to know who it is because it can be anybody that could get this. I want you to write a prophetic word, okay, on the Valentine. And Valentine is love, so it's going to be because God loves somebody, he's going to give them a prophetic word. And then we're going to put them all in a basket, and you're going to pull them out one, after, one at a time. And then the rest of the team around you, you're going to read your Valentine, and then the rest of the team around you is going to confirm. Is that the gifts within you? Is that what? And, and confirm that word. And if not, pray, pray for other things. But we're going to have a Valentine party, and we're going to feel loved by God. And um, we are going to have cookies, and so you can bring some. They can be healthy or not, and uh, we'll have some kind of drinks and stuff. So anyway, um, but at our home, and anyone that's not here that's part of the School of Ministry, you guys look around. Please let them know. Get a valentine, and um, it, we will meet together. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Yeah, we'll go ahead and try to do it at around 6. We'll, we'll try to get started around 6. If not, I mean, we'll wait till everybody gets there. So, okay. That was one of them. The other announcement that I had, see, I had them. We gave, with, with New Heart Church, we gave $3,527 to Georgian and Global Celebration. And he, they're always, really, we've never had people come that are just not absolutely shocked at the, at the generosity and the giving that comes. And so we just say yes. And Brock, I love that message. Keep on. I'm going to tell you what I believe about the thinking thing. And I also brought one um, that I had and never even read, but because I thought it was all about food, but it's not. It's about thinking. Anyway, but I believe the move of God is because we've always heard, no, don't speak negative. We've always heard all those words, but I don't believe that the revelation the Holy Spirit's having on us now is showing us our toxic thinking. I don't think we knew it was toxic. I don't know that we thought what we thought was being toxic to our bodies. Our thoughts can either bless our lives or they can be toxic. They can make you sick. Your literal thoughts can make you sick. That's why we have to raise expectancy. Because if our thoughts are, I don't expect God to do anything even though we prayed, that's toxic. And it also blocks what God wants to do. And so this is a move of the Holy Spirit. It is happening 
all over the body of Christ. And it's because he's got so much more for us, and he wants this toxic thinking out of us. So that was really cool. And that's just in the area of giving, but I believe it's in every area. And it's amazing because Ron and I'll go, wow, I never saw that thought. I can tell you ones that I, I just know, you know, I know that if I go in there, they'll reject me. That's a toxic thought. And many people are born with that toxic thought. They carry the spirit of rejection around on them because they literally embrace the toxic thought. Maybe they didn't get love as a kid. Maybe things didn't go great for them. But there is a God who loves us and has broken the power of that. I think this is amazing. So think of us as the family of God and we're the children of God, right? But I want you to think about families now, right now. Some of the most imperfect families. Imperfect. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of one. Parents in the world produce the biggest children. They produced the biggest and best children, even though the home was nothing. One was Chris Vallotton, I think. But another one I thought of was the movie I Can Only Imagine. His mother left him, his father's an alcoholic, and put him down all his life. It is not your environment that makes you. It is not whether you had perfect parents or not. I've seen some of the best parents end up with the worst kids. I have. And it's like, how did that happen? I know that a book I had read, Jack Deere, they were the most loving people. They sent their child around, and then he still committed suicide. Why? Where did that come from? Another one is uh, the guy that wrote Rick Warren. His son committed suicide. Why? I don't know why, but I'm going to tell you why. I really believe this is the choice everyone has. It all depends on the heart and focus the child chooses. I know we have warfare. But you still have a choice. You can choose joy. Ron had given me a proverb, Proverb 15, 15, and it basically said you can sit around moping or you can choose joy. And those who choose joy have life and fulfillment. It all depends on the heart and focus the child chooses. Love covers and conquers everything. A child who chooses all of life as opportunities all of life of opportunities, they overcome. A child who has that mindset, they overcome. Joshua and Caleb, they looked at difficult circumstances in, uh, as just an opportunity to see how good and big God was. Oh, I know those are giants, but they're going to be our bread. They looked at the opportunities, and ten others didn't. And they died in the wilderness. And Joshua and Caleb, which I'm standing in, were as strong and healthy when 80 years, they were 80 years old. And, and of course, I told you, Georgian called us youngsters, ha. Huh? But he, he did. I shouldn't, I shouldn't do ha, huh, should I? Okay, that was a toxic ha. Huh? That was a toxic ha. Huh? Okay. <laughs> but honestly, you're not going to get better and better if you don't have a thought that you can. And Hannah gave me a word for this year when we had a, a Christmas party for the leadership. And it was a promise the Lord had given me. It's in the Psalms. And it says that you'll be green and full of sap and you'll be stronger and healthier in your old age. 
That's a choice of whether I want to think that. Because America doesn't. America says you got wrinkles and this is going on. And so you don't have more life. I told Ron this morning, I said, my life is not just being a grandma. And that I sit in a house and wait on grandchildren to come home. You know, I mean, seriously. I have all this life and I am going to choose more life. I may go to college. I am doing some school. I may, I may write a book. Oh, my goodness. I may. I don't know, but I'm just telling you, I won't do any of it if I don't think it. I won't do any of it if I don't choose it. A child who only sees what they lack. Ever been around anybody like that? Oh, dear. I've had such a hard life. Things are rotten. My parents weren't very good. Blah, 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 blah. A child who only sees what they lack never overcomes. You guys, that's not us. We will not be that. It's not our choice. We are going to shine, and Owen County is going to shine for the glory of the Lord because we choose it, because we believe it. But we are children of God. My father calls me a queen. Remember the first time he told me that? That is truth. We are kings and queens. I went, probably like this toxic ha. I probably did for a long, long time, and then he would say it to me. You know what? A queen rules and reigns on earth. A queen is like Jesus who understands that the kingdom of God is accessible right here. Our Father's power is accessible, and it's accessible through us. A queen will rise up and live in empowerment. It's my choice. His kingdom is love. God has chosen to partner with people who have enough hope to speak life into situations. He's empowered us to determine how much change there will be around us. If you don't read anything else about this book, this, is the, this, this right here, this little place right here, is the section you need to hear. And I, I just think it's amazing. Um, she was talking, and I believe she is a professor prophetic scientist she's a scientist everything is science but she's a prophet of the lord and she has scriptures with every every article of science and she said she'll hear people saying god why is this attack happening to us god why is this going on everybody's under spiritual attack oh my goodness oh my goodness and i remember somebody saying to me once i'm sick of hearing that now i don't believe we should magnify the enemy at all but i'm sick of hearing that and yet if you don't acknowledge when you're battling, then you won't battle. You'll ignore it. That's called passivity. So there is a balance. Don't magnify it. But I thought this was a perfect word. Perfect. I was like, ah, we are always under spiritual attack on every front. And here's the scriptures. Paul says we're in a war. We're not going to war. We're in a war. He says, we are part of the, this battle of restoration. We are called to be God's heirs, kings and queens, soldiers, high priests, extending his love and forgiveness in this world. This is what it means to be true followers of Christ who extended God's love and mercy into the world by conquering sin and death. We are called to bring heaven to earth and this does not happen without a fight you guys when I asked you to get up here and dance wildly 
That's what David did when they brought the, the Ark of the Covenant in to Jerusalem. He was dancing wildly, but he was also warring for the kingdom to come in to Israel, to come into that place. And when you guys have war, sometimes it's just best to twirl and dance. And man, Katie, that was awesome. It just was. <laughs> in fact... I think a frightening mentality among many Christians, and I am going to tell you, I knew, I thought this is why I've struggled in connection. Have you ever tried to get together with a group of believers and pray? I have thousands of times. I've tried to have city gatherings, all kinds. But if this is the mentality, you tell me what kind of prayer is going to come out of it. A frightening mentality among many Christians today is a pervasive view. And just this week, I heard it of the world as fallen and hopeless, despite the fact Christ has already made all things new, doesn't matter, we have a God-given responsibility to care for the earth. But they're, they're, it's already fallen and hopeless, and so let's just pack up everything and get ready. Come on, Jesus, just come and rapture us out of here. When he said, the glory of the Lord is going to cover the whole earth. Do you know what the glory is? It's you and I. And it's you and I believing his glory every single day. The glory of the Lord wants to come. But if you don't believe in the glory coming through you, when you walk into a place, when you work a place, wherever you are, you are the glory of the Lord. Do you understand that? Brock said it. Your place of business is blessed because you're there. Who lives inside of you? Who has empowered you by his power? It's all glory. It's all glory. We have a God-given responsibility to care for the earth. The whole world is waiting for Christians to fully appropriate their identity as God's heirs and take responsibility for creation, not just say, I'm out of here. I want a Christian president. I want Christian congressmen. I want to have an end to abortion in my lifetime. I want to see it. If I have to march in Washington, D.C. again, I will. I will do what it takes. Why? Because I believe that this is God's earth, and he doesn't kill babies. He does not kill babies. It's God's earth. The world is being restored, a restoration that began with Christ and will be completed when Christ comes. And through us as his heirs, we are not created to stand by complaining how evil the things are that we witness, which just makes us toxic or hear about, and exclaiming that we cannot wait to go to heaven and leave this wretched earth behind. And I hear that all the time among believers that I fellowship with. All the time. We are supposed to bring earth to heaven to apply God's love to the terrible things that make us want to duck our heads in the ground like abortion. We need to be not spiritualized ostriches, but those that stand up and begin to declare God is good and he does not want that over this nation. And I've begun to thank him because I'm thinking we prayed and fasted for over 40 years. Ron and I are going to the send and we're going to have you guys lay hands on us next week, but we're going to the send because we couldn't take a whole big group, but I wanted to be represented. I wanted our church because it was about all of the prayers and stands in this nation for a nation that would turn back to God. And now it's time for the harvest, and the sin is a, a finish of the call and a beginning of God 
uh, sending out his people for harvest now. And I'm like, when we get home, we're going to lay hands on all of you. But I want to be a part of what we started and finish it. Anyway, that was the part I wanted to say. We were called to make a change. But if your mind is toxic or you listen to toxicity all day long, all you're going to do is go, oh, dear, oh, no. And I know it's hard when we have battles. I love this. And it's so funny because we listened to Bill last night, Bill Johnson last night, his message. But I had already had this. I had it last week. And, and God had just been speaking it to me. And he had been speaking about battle. And he said, what is your battleground? Every one of you has a battleground laid, laid before you. What is your battleground? We need to know our battleground so we can take so we can take it. Every single one of us. And I love this because he just led me to this. It's in um, Second Chronicles 20. I guess I didn't mark it. Oh, here it is. Second nope. Chronicles 20. Yes, Laura, I am actually giving you numbers. <laughs> Second Chronicles 21 through 30. And I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm just going to tell you what's going on. And you guys have heard this before, but it is a picture of God's victories. It's Jehoshaphat. He's a king. He has been righteous. He has done righteous things. He's been tearing down the altars. He's been walking with God. He's been doing these things. And then all of the sudden, all of his relatives, and I looked up their names, and every single one of them was a descendant and a relative. All of his relatives around him, Moab came from Lot. All of his relatives, these are, these are the different uh, Ammonites, and anyway, I'm not going to name all the names, but all around him decided they were going to take his land and destroy him. And so a vast army from Eden began to march across the Dead Sea, through the, uh, past the Dead Sea. And Jehoshaphat, and when you've started battle, and your battleground, the fit number one tactic the Lord uses is to get you in fear of it. Get you fear. Fear in the night. Come, come at, a, at you with a, with a fear thing. And I love it because when I've had fear in the night lately, I've heard Haley's song, Am I Not Big Enough? Am I Not Big Enough? Am I Not Strong Enough? Okay, so the battle's going to happen, and he's terrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance, and he ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting and praying because this battle was coming against them to destroy them. And then he stood up in front of them, and he, and he began to say, Lord, you said if we would pray and we would stand in your temple and we would face the temple and we would pray that you would deliver us from all these things. And now this huge army is coming out against us. What are we going to do? And now see the armies. And he names the relatives. <laughs> you would not let our ancestors invade those nations. We were good to them at one time. Now see how they reward us. They've come to throw us out of your land that you gave us for an inheritance, oh God, won't you stop them? We are powerless in this battle against this great army. We are powerless. We don't know what to do. Anybody ever had a battle you did not know what to do? I think most of them are like that. We don't know what to do. 
but our eyes are on you. And then the Lord rose up and he sent a prophet, Jehaziel. I think somebody ought to name their kid that. I think that's a cool name, Jehaziel. Okay, anyway, and Jehaziel rose up and said, listen, people, listen, King Jehoshaphat, don't be afraid. I'm going to tell you the first thing that God wants to do to overcome your battlefield is stop your fearing. Don't be afraid. Stop the fear. Lord, get the toxic thoughts out. Get things out that make me afraid. Don't be afraid. Listen to me. Believe in the Lord your God. Wait a minute. Let me see where it was. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Go stand in the face of the enemy. Really? I mean, come on. Go stand in the face of the enemy. And then Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And they began to worship and celebrate before they saw the victory. God hadn't even told them they were going to get the victory yet. But they began to worship and celebrate. It's the word the Lord gave me the beginning of September. Celebrate before you see it. Celebrate. That's the faith of God. The faith of God that God is way bigger than the battle that's right in front of you. And so they began to worship. And the Levites and all of them began to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud shout. And then, uh, then the Lord spoke to him. And he said, early in the next morning, they went out. And Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets. Believe in the promises of God. Believe in the word of God, and you will succeed. And after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. This is celebration. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. They're getting ready to stand in a battle. And they're celebrating his faithful love. And at that very moment, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord caused the armies to turn on one another and fight one another. And there was so much plunder that it took days, three days, to carry back the riches of the battle. It was still called today the Valley of Blessing. God wants to turn your battleground into the Valley of Blessing. He wants to turn your battleground. He wants to turn the thing with Mariah into a Valley of Blessing. It doesn't mean that you didn't have to face things that were be way bigger. You can't fix them. Anybody there you can't fix? Our eyes are on you. And God, we've got faith in who you are. People, you're amazing. You are. I know you. You've put your faith in him over all these years. I love Jen Johnson's song. That whole, uh, um, whole song, you've never left me. You've always been faithful. That's what Jehoshaphat's people sang. And God turned their battlefield into a valley of blessing. So what is our battlefield? I, always, I, I know Joyce Meyer wrote a book, Battlefield of the Mind, and I know that Bill's got one on the mind too. I definitely think how we think is our battlefield. Our bodies, do you, this is the science stuff. Do you know we were wired to be optimistic? We were wired to be optimistic. 
but we've learned patterns, except that the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We've been given his mind. He's making all things new in our minds. As we yield to him, and I love this, it says he's given us his divine power to give us this faith to have our minds changed. And it says supplement, 2 Peter 1, 5, supplement your faith that's been given by this divine power with a generous provision of moral excellence. Wouldn't you call moral excellence how you think? Moral excellence. And then it says when you start thinking this way, then knowledge will come. And then loving kindness and all of the other attributes will come. But it starts with how we think. I love this move of God. I, I know we've heard words like positive confession and all that, but it never registered. It always, it didn't, it didn't sink in, and it sunk in somewhere. I'm going, God, this is you. This is Holy Spirit. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful your life will be in the Lord Jesus. So celebrate God, number two. So number one is how you think. That's your battleground. Two, celebrate God's promises. You all have got promises. If you haven't got them, get them. Get your Bible out and get your promises. Celebrate God's promises of goodness before you see it. And it takes faith. So let his divine power fill you with his faith. Thinking of his goodness and moral excellence and action, courageous action. This is singing hallelujah in the battle. It is courageous action. God sees my battlegrounds as opportunities for his goodness. We've all got them. Jesus said in the world you're going to have them. Every one of you are going to have battlegrounds. He said that. He did not take us out of the world. But God also said he wants to use those battlegrounds as opportunities for a valley, a blessing. That's who we are. Our whole life on earth, our whole life, our whole job on earth, like Jesus, is how can God turn this battle around for great glory? And here's Jesus' words of that. He's at the hour. John 17, 1, Father, I've done everything you asked me to do. I'm here with the disciples. The hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Win the battle in your son so he can give the glory back to you. Win the battle in your children so we can give the glory back to him. The hour has come. We were created for that hour. We're always under spiritual attack on every front. We're not going to war. We're in war. But you know what? So read that book. So you know what? Celebrate. Celebrate in your battles. Battlefields are places where you trust and keep on trusting. I'm, I'm going to say that again. I'm telling you, that's been one I've been learning. Battlefields are places where you trust and keep on trusting. 
God breaks through and changes things then by his glory. It takes perseverance. That was one of the next things that came after moral excellence and knowledge was this, this courage and perseverance. But you have to keep on trusting. I can tell you what I've heard over and over. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? There's been so many changes in our lives with Ron with the cancer and just everything. Our, our lives have changed, are changing. Do you trust me? I have victories for you. I've, only, he, I've taken you from victory to victory, glory to glory. He has. Things that looked like the end when we lost our children would have been the end for some people. They'd still be in depression of that. One of the reasons I decided when we lost Jacob, and so I got really a lot to look at towards heaven for. Jacob and David, and I thought, I got three kids I'm going to see one of these days. Is that cool? But when we lost uh, Jacob, I remember thinking, because I had an aunt who had five more children, but she'd lost a little two-year-old. And all we ever heard about was little Ricky, little Ricky, little Ricky. And I mean till the day she died. And I remember going, I will not live in that moment. I'm going to tell you I loved Jacob with all my heart and soul. Ron and I loved all our babies. I loved David with all my heart and soul. I still love them. I love them all. I love all my children. But my life does not consist of that right now. My life doesn't consist of being a mom and dad at home anymore. Our lives are moving on. And I'm going to go from glory to glory. He took us past those places that were death and no testimony to a place of, oh, no, that's just another valley of blessing. He taught us how to love and overcome and persevere. And I can minister to all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. And I can tell them Jesus is enough because I've been there. They're valleys of blessing. And I got great riches out of it too, by the, by the way. Plus, ain't no grave going to keep my body down. I'm going to see my kids, let alone the ones I'm planning on seeing on earth. It's going to happen. Every pressure is a battlefield that God wants you to win. Every pressure. The very first battlefield is how you think. You guys, it is, and it's what you let in your heart. Okay, so I'm going to tell an old one. It's so funny, I'm, I'm in this school, I'm, uh, this, this second semester of the school, and the whole teachings were on covenant and why it was so important to be covenanted to people that you could live your life with that you cannot do what you're doing alone. That it takes and God made covenant. And I know that John and Jess are out in Bethel, a major move, but they need to find people they can covenant with. They've told us. Wherever you live is where you need to be in covenant. And covenant is, hey, I'm going through something. Hey, I'm praying for you. And th this whole teaching, I heard Danny Silk, I heard, I heard, um, what was it, Banning Leibschner, all of these ones, and every one of them, I'm like, that's the foundations of how we even started. It takes our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. Encourage one another. We're going to make it. You're going to keep going. I love that. Anyway, the very first battlefield is how we think. If we never let God's word conquer our negativity, it is God's word, in our brains we'll never win our battlefields. 
God's word is the major weapon you have in changing your mind. And I love this because Carolyn Leaf didn't write it with just science. She's got a scripture after every, every line. I want to tell you something. The reason we homeschooled, and I'm not telling you homeschooling is the only way to go, but the reason we homeschooled was that our youngest, I mean our oldest, had been in Christian school two years. I taught my, uh, I taught my oldest, Andrew, how to read by the time he was four years old. He was an easy learner. We learned the ABCs. We learned the sounds. And he was reading. He was reading King James Version, full-blown, by kindergarten. He knew his Bible in and first grade. And we taught him. And then, because we could not afford public or, uh, uh, and we didn't know anything about homeschooling. Christian school, we put him in public school, and he got beat up. And he was getting beat up. He was a little tiny thing, and he about got his back broken. And he couldn't move for a, a week because kids jumped on his back. And he passed out on the playground. And, and I'm a desperate mama, and these are my babies. And, oh, my goodness, what am I supposed to do now? We don't have the money to put him in Christian school. What are we going to do? And we came home. We were living in Maine at the time. We came home, and I listened to this podcast, and it was some preacher and it was about homeschooling. And this is the scripture that he read. And this is the scripture he taught from. And I knew that it, God would chose Abraham because Abraham would train his children. You guys, if you don't train your children, you're forgetting everything. Train your children. And he said, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is alone the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. The first commandment. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words, the word of God that I'm giving you today. I'm giving you the word of God. I'm giving you as a people the word of God. And he said, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk with them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Speak to them. If you need to, tie them on your hands. And I thought of uh, Heather saying she wrote, writes it on a, a mirror or a window or on a card. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. If you forget the word, get it in you. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And I'm going to tell you, parents, and all of you, get your Bibles out. Have Bible study with your kids, especially if you're not in a Christian school or you're not homeschooling. Because I love Bill. Bill had his kids in a, and they, they raised them just like we did. Had them in a Christian school, and he said uh, they, they sent Sunday homeschool material home with their church and so they expected their church to have Sunday school in their home because they wanted the fathers and mothers teaching their kids I thought that was really cool but he said the only grades I ever cared about was the their their behavior their how they uh, how they acted and their bible grade and the rest of them were kind of like oh that's okay but I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says that the word of God will make you rich. It'll make you smart. It'll make you able to handle anything, anything in life. You can have, and, and we saw this, and they, these girls were awesome that were with us last week. I, one of them was, is an engineer. The other one is a um, photography video ev editor for big production companies. They both have had education and been to high up schools and they have nothing because nobody ever taught them the word of God. They're lonely. They were, their hearts are broken and empty. And I'm going to tell you, you go around and there are people like that everywhere. 
There are. This, is, this has become a plague in this nation. Ron said he thinks it's because there's so many aborted babies that there's not enough husbands and wives or something. But I'm just looking at the loneliness. But this, these, these girls had what the world would say is they had it all. They had the careers. They had the education. They had everything they needed. But they did not have the word of God. And they did not have anyone that loved them enough to teach them. When they, when they were there at our house... They, they stayed up late, and we heard them crying down there, downstairs. And Ron goes, I think they're crying. And, and they just kept hugging on us and stuff. The next morning, they said, will you be our mom and dad? Will you be, will you be here for us? We just felt like we didn't want to leave. And they said, this group of people was the most accepting, non-judgmental group of people they'd ever been around. They said, we felt like we were at home right away. I'm telling you, the world needs the glory of God, and the glory of God is love. The glory of God is love. But I'm also going to tell you, parents, train your children. Train them to know the word of the Lord. I don't care what schools they go to. I really don't. I'm just telling you, they've got to have the word of God, and they need to see it in your mind and heart. They'll follow you. They'll do what they see you doing. I believe with all my heart that we're at a place where God is moving in incredible ways. But the way we think is going to make a difference of whether we're in the move of God or not. The glory of God is here. He's moving. Here's another scripture. Be strong and courageous. This was Joshua. For you're the one who lead these people to possess all the land. I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be very strong and courageous. Be very careful to obey all the word I gave you. Don't deviate from it. Turning either to the right or the left, then you'll be successful. I remember the kids all memorizing that scripture. You'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction, the word of God, continually meditate on it day and night so you'll be able to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord is with you wherever you go. He has victories for us. We are the most educated nation on the earth and the most lonely, and the most broken. Education is not the answer. The word of God is the answer. And a relationship with him. God is doing this with you, us, you guys. And I love that he's teaching us toxic thoughts so that we really can change. We're going to change a culture as we change. I'm going to tell you what I want to see. I Georgian called us, what did he call us, uh, what did I tell you, kids? Well, I call the ones that are 10 years younger than me kids. I call everybody kids here, but anyway, I really do them. And they roll their eyes at me. And we're getting older, and I don't know what we're going to do, and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell you that's the culture of the world, and it is the toxic thoughts. What if all of us became Joshua's and Caleb's of all generations? And literally took this whole 
area for the glory of God. That means you can't quit. Be strong and courageous. And I'm talking to me. I am. Let's stand. I'll run this off if anyone wants it, but they, this was just a set of beliefs that they gave me, but I just want to read theme four. Believing what God says about my circumstances. Believing what God says about your circumstances and mine. Like Joshua and Caleb, I look at difficult circumstances as my opportunity to see how big and good my God is. I live under an open heaven that brings breakthrough wherever I go. When I overcome difficult circumstances, I release breakthrough for others to overcome the same difficulties. Nothing is hopeless or impossible with God. He works all things together for my good. My spirit, emotions, and mind are all glistening with confident hope, joy, and expectation. And I will run those off for anybody that wants them, but I, get, I look at them every morning anymore because because it's just so easy not to you know what i want to i got a testimony you guys all know i don't like dark and i'm facing another dark week and you know all y'all know i don't like it but i'm learning to like it because i'm finding joy in my darkness and that is a major change over someone and i do deal with the physical of needing light but that is a major change in how i think and I want to thank God for it. I've thought, oh, my goodness, we're almost two-thirds away through the winter, and I've been happy the whole winter. What in the world? <laughs> and this week's supposed to be dark, too. Hallelujah. Celebrate. Rain. Okay. <laughs> I did sing that. <laughs> I thought it was getting snuffed, but okay, it's not anymore. <laughs> Father, we just thank you right now for our minds and for the move of God that is washing over our minds and renewing them and teaching us to think good things, miraculous things. Holy Spirit, come. Any learning disabilities, I just see them breaking, crumbling. Thank you, God, once again for a hunger for the Word of God. God, I thank you for hunger just springing up in all of us, just hunger. And I thank you for a hunger for prayer. Because, Father, you said to pray it, and you would do it. So I thank you for prayer. I just want to thank you and celebrate. Thank you, God, for our lives and all you're doing. Amen. <laughs>